Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, you guys, this is Misty, and this is Lattes and Legends. Um, I apologize for my throat sounding the way it does, or my voice rather. I'm also a little frustrated because I just recorded a 27-minute episode. I went to upload it and it was gone. So there's that. Um, So I am double caffeinating today. I had a vanilla latte this morning around 7.30. It's now 12.54 p.m. And I pastried this morning also to quote my friend Steph. I have pastried today, so I had a blueberry muffin. Oh, yeah. Um, from my favorites, Josh and Critter. And now I'm having a dark roast with some vanilla creamer. And, uh, yeah, I've been drinking on it for about 20 minutes because, uh, oh, the other podcast didn't record. So let's hope this one records. I wanted to give some shout-outs. Thank you to the Rhythms on the Rio Festival. It was amazing. Um, and also whoever gave me the festival flew. You can rot in hell. Um... My new listener in India. So cool. So thank you. And hi. My one listener in Ireland still. Hello. Hope you're the same person. Maybe you can tell some friends. And everybody that's been listening here. In America. Anyway. um, I will try to make this as painless as possible for you guys to listen to. There might be some snivels. There might be some coughing. 
Um, but I promise I did not smoke cigarettes to get this voice. Promise, promise, promise. I just ended up sick. So, there's that. Uh, uh, wanted to say hi to Bring on the Weird. Hey, guys. Thanks for your fandom. They have an awesome podcast, you guys. Um, everyone should listen to it. If you're into, like, conspiracy theories, UFOs, the like, um, you'll dig it. Also, I've been listening to a ton of Crimes of Passion. I'm just so obsessed with that podcast. And I'm super stoked about September because my all-time favorite, favorite, favorite first podcast I ever listened to, my dad wrote a porno, is back in September. So, man, I love that podcast. And my friend Steph, who I alluded to earlier, She's the one that got me hooked on that. So, hey, Steph. I know she listens to the show, so she'll be stoked to hear her name. Anyway, I'm off all week. So, it's Wednesday, and you get a podcast. Probably Friday you'll go to podcast, and maybe, well, definitely Sunday you'll go to podcast. I really hope they all record. I don't know. The Wi-Fi in my office has been a little bit wonky, so that could be the reason. I, I don't know. So let's dive in. This is Asylums Part 2 because after last week I went down the asylum rabbit hole, if you will, and I can't seem to dig my way out. So um, if you like Asylums, cool. If you don't, sorry. Um, last thing of paperwork, if you will go to iTunes and give me a five-star review. That'd be awesome. Or if you listen somewhere else, give me a review. That'd be amazing. Keep up with me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Email your favorite urban legends to lattesandlegends at gmail.com. Uh, or if you know me, you can tell me face-to-face. Misty, I want to listen to this. And I'll be like, okay. So here we go. <coughs> Excuse me. The first asylum I am going to cover is Penhurst Asylum. Um, all the websites that I found on this one were like, oh, it's the scariest one ever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we will get into that in a second. Um, here we go. Ready, 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 Freddy's? Here we go. All right, sorry for the clicking. So Penhurst opened in 1908 in Chester County, Pennsylvania. It was accepting of the mentally and physically handicapped at the time, along with immigrants, criminals, and orphan children. It became overcrowded within the first few years of being opened. Oh, seems to be a trend with asylums. In 1913, it was said to be unfit for the patients. Penhurst had... Um, its own power plant, general store, school, farm, everything that you would need to run your own community. Penhurst and its staff did not want to have to ask the community for anything, and the community was a-okay with being completely separate from the asylum. I'm not sure if there was bad blood or what, but all the research I have seen 
says that the community was like, mm, no thanks. Um, after it had been open for 50 years, it had 2,700 plus patients, which is a whole lot. Most of these patients were children, and so they had education and art programs, and then they had a lot of recreational activities. Um, the staff, well, they were highly understaffed, to say the least. There were only nine doctors, and there were 11 teachers at the asylum. The number of orderlies was not given, but everywhere I've seen says they were very understaffed with orderlies as well. So you can imagine almost 2,800 patients and very few doctors and orderlies and teachers. Probably got a little crazy in there. Um, the buildings were getting older and started to fall apart. Um, the media came in, I believe it was 1968, to make a documentary. Um, and it's called Supper the Children. There's a website that you can look, that you can watch it, and I will pull that up for you guys too and let you know that one. Um, but while that happens, here we go. Um, the documentary showed really poor conditions and it even showed some orderlies being overtly physical with the patients. So, um, in 1987, the asylum closed because the state saw the documentary and um, decided that it was time for them to go. So just a quick insert on the documentary. You can find it at documentaryheaven.com slash suffer dash little dash children. So... The write-up for it says that Suffer the Little Children is a documentary by NBC, which aired in 1968. It was a groundbreaking film set about exposing the Pennhurst State School, which has since been described as the shame of a nation. Um, having opened its doors in November of 08, 1908, the state-funded school slash hospital became overcrowded within a short period of time, taking in those who were suffering from mental illness, criminals, orphans, etc. These people could not be housed anywhere else. The school quickly became the center of human rights movement, which eventually revolutionized America's approach to mental health care. Um, and in the title, they do mention eugenics. So... Um, I believe you can watch the full documentary on this website. So I might black hole into that probably in a few minutes since I'm off work all week. All right, back to the asylum. So there's a lot of controversy about the asylum now. It's privately owned. And the reason there's controversy is because it's being used as a haunted house and a place to have ghost tours and paranormal explorations and all that. Um, because there was so much pain and suffering that happened here, many people disagree with it being used in this way. So the owner is making money 
off of people's pain and suffering and death. So be as it may, I think that, I don't know, this is my opinion. I would go check it out for myself. But I think that the owner should do it in a different way. When I look at the website, which is penhurstasylum.com, you see a very flashy, overdramatic, mad scientist and ghost nurse. And so when they do the haunted houses, it looks really cheesy. Um, but there have been multiple paranormal TV shows that have been here. And <clears throat> I'm not saying I wouldn't go to do the paranormal investigation, but I definitely would not go um, in it to be a cheesy haunted house. I would like to see things for myself. But, you know, that's my soapbox that I'm not really going to get on right now. All right. So the paranormal TV shows and, quote, experts have seen a lot of ghostly activity here. So let's dive into that. The Quaker building. Shadows are manifesting and disappearing on their own. One of these shadows is a small little girl with long black hair. Um, excuse me. Doors and rocking chairs move on their own. Man, guys, this coffee is changing my life right now. Um, also in this building, people are shoved so hard that red marks are left on their bodies. Oof. Yeah. Nope. 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 No, thank you. Hard pass. Multiple objects are propelled at people. And uh, mediums that have been here, we'll use that term very loosely, have felt the presence of demons. Hmm. So, the Limerick building, there's a nurse apparition that appears when, uh, and there's lots of unknown sounds heard constantly. The Mayflower building, shadow people are seen and people have also been touched in this building. Guys, I am all about some ghosts, all about it. But for God's sake, or whoever's sake, the minute one tries to touch me, I'm gonna go ape shit. Legit. Like, that is just fucking terrifying. Words cannot describe what I would do if a ghost fucking touched me. End rant. Alright, so... Do-do-do. The admin building. Voices are heard all over the building, and there's also the sound of toilet splashing. Coincidentally enough, the water is not running in this building, so one of these ghosties likes to pee a lot. Lastly, there's the Hershey building, and a female child's voice is heard on the third floor constantly. So, Medical professionals who worked at this asylum said it was basically a boarding school for children um, who had special needs and couldn't really speak, read, or write. Um, a lot of them never learned. 
but some of them that were hyperactive and had emotional problems were actually cured and became high functioning and were released from the hospital. So good for them. At least they had some type of prosperity that came out of this terrible place, but yeah. So, um, there was a punishment room for children that were not able to function. I didn't get too much out of that, except the kids would attack each other and they would attack orderlies and doctors with broom handles and pretty much anything they could find in the asylum. Um, and to still to this day, it's called one of Pennsylvania's most haunted places. So, um, the Información, where I got this research, um, was on PennhurstAsylum.com. That is the showy, flashy haunted house website. So, <coughs> um, use your discretion with that one because it, to me, it looks very Hollywood-esque. Um, VintageNews.com, OnlyInYourState.com, and NPR.com. Um, so, yeah, if you guys want to plan a visit to Penhurst, their website has all that info for you. All right, so we keep going with these asylums in hopes, again, that this all records. Um, the next one is in Massachusetts, um, which is one of my favorite states to visit, although I have never gone here. So, um, this is Danvers um, State Hospital. My friends in Mass would probably call it Danvers. So, yeah. Um, information came from Denver's State Insane Asylum.com, Complex.com, oh, that's interesting.com, asylumprojects.org, and house-crazy.com. Um, also, I just have one more that I just saw. Um, no, okay, sorry. So, this asylum. It was 500 acres, and it overlooked Boston, which is about 18 miles to the south of it. It opened in 1878, and it was called the State Lunatic Asylum at Danvers. Such a cheery and happy, sunny name. The message was that people with mental illness could be cured here. There were 40 buildings that could house up to 450 patients. Keep the number in mind. There might be a quiz later. So it became very successful in the beginning. It had a lot of good rotation of patients. And uh, people were stoked that their loved ones were going in and they were coming out cured. Like it was doing the damn thing and doing it right. So for the next 20 years, it became... Oh, you guessed it, overcrowded. And then there were more than 2,000 patients living there at one time. So, I don't know if you guys need to bust out your calculators, but what was the number before? 450? That was 
1,550 more patients than it could house. Mm. The state wouldn't give the asylum any more money to build on or hire more staff or anything like that. So the living conditions got horrible, wretched, terrible, um, shit, piss everywhere. Um, kind of like one of the ones from last week, like just things were just not okay. The living conditions were just the worst. Um, and probably because they took in so many people. Um, patients would walk around half naked. Um, and there was just a basic lack of hygiene. Soon the norm for treating patients became just put them in a straitjacket and give them shock therapy. So the doctors here said that the jolts of electricity would cure everything, or it would scare the patients into complete submission. Um, when shock therapy wasn't working, that is when it all started. Yes, yes, the lobotomies began. Hmm. In 1939, the population had gone up to almost 2,400, and 278 of those patients died inside of the hospital that year. Mm. Um, many people say this had something to do with the shock treatments and the lobotomies, and then Denver's got called the birthplace of the prefrontal lobotomy. Oh, God. Oh, nope. No, thank you. So, in the 1940s, those who were lobotomized were seen wandering around the halls. They were described as zombie-esque. They were in a drug-dazed type state, um, and they were being held without, held against their will. Um, but also, my question is, if they got to their home, or if they got to see their family... How do you think their family would react to this shell zombie person going back home with them? I can't really see that people have the ways to take care of these people back then in their homes. And that's why they would send them to these asylums. I, you know, I don't know. I didn't live back then, but it's just a uh, little something I'm throwing out there to think about. Um, so with the lack of funding, the, sh the state shut down a small part of Danvers in 1969, and then it was permanently shut down in 1992. Um, it was called the Hell House on the Hill. Um, and now it looks really fancy. It's an apartment complex. Um, H.P. Lovecraft, if you've ever read anything that he's written, used the asylum for his inspiration of Arkham Sanatorium. Arkham. Does that sound familiar, comic book nerds? Because, yep, you guessed it, DC got their inspiration from Danvers as well to create the Arkham Asylum, which, if anybody knows me, I'm not a DC fan. However, I am a fan of Arkham Asylum and those who have served time in Arkham Asylum. Um, yeah, that's, that's my interest in DC Comics, so, 
you didn't want my two cents about it, but you got it. So, let's see. The only remains of Danvers today um, are some gravestones that are in two local cemeteries, and there are about 770 bodies of those that actually died at Danvers. Um, and then the building itself is now apartments. Um, I guess they had some fires when um, the company was building these apartments. And so um, the company's Avalon Bay Development. Um, but they kept some of the building, some of the front building, the entrance, um, because they kind of wanted it to look a fancy apartment complex. Um, there's a lot of hearsay about um, things that are seen there, but you know, I haven't seen a lot of proof, but you know, just tales that it is haunted and that things do linger. So, I don't know. Um, I can only guess that something is lingering about if you do believe in that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. That's all I have for today. I'm trying to get rid of this cold thing, festival flu. Um, so, I will be recording Friday and Sunday. And I really hope you guys have an awesome week. Happy hump day. And I will absolutely 100% talk to you guys later on this week. Bye. Have a fabulous day. Later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program.